Today is Saturday, November 9th, 2019. On this day in 1971, 46-year-old John List murdered his wife as she drank her morning coffee. Then he killed his mother, and when his three children got home from school, he killed them too. Afterward, he disappeared without a trace and successfully evaded law enforcement for the next 18 years. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. In this episode, we're covering the day a mild-mannered 46-year-old accountant named John E. List went on a horrific killing spree in his family's Westfield, New Jersey home. Let's go back to the List house on the morning of November 9th, 1971, a little after 9 a.m. John wistfully smiled as he watched his three children get into the neighbor's car to head to school. It seemed like only yesterday he'd been changing their diapers. Now they were all teenagers and would soon be spreading their wings in the wider world. It was only a matter of time until society's evils corrupted his precious angels. List's expression darkened. It was up to him to make sure that never happened. He'd already hidden two pistols under his shirt. After the car drove away, List turned around and walked up the long drive to his stately family home. It was at once his greatest pride and biggest regret. When he'd bought it six years earlier, he was a successful vice president at a bank. But now that he had lost his job, he was reduced to skimming from his mother's bank account to pay the mortgage. Luckily, it wouldn't be a problem for much longer. Before heading inside, he stopped by his car. He pulled out the pistols and loaded them with ammo stored in the glove box. It was time to begin the day's work. List entered the house and headed to the kitchen. His wife, Helen, was at the kitchen table, sipping her morning coffee. He told himself he would always love her for giving him such a beautiful family. Then, without hesitation, List walked up behind Helen, put his gun to the side of her head, and pulled the trigger. The blast echoed through the sprawling mansion. As Helen's dead body slumped to the floor, List left the room. He had to move quickly before his next victim came to investigate. As he climbed the stairs, List whispered a short prayer. He knew he had just committed a cardinal sin, but it was worth it to get his family to heaven. He next opened the door to his mother Alma's suite. She was puttering about her efficiency kitchen, preparing her breakfast. She asked him what the commotion was. In response, List put a bullet through her brain. After heading back downstairs, List dragged his wife's body into the house's cavernous ballroom. 
the sun filtered through the elegant skylight and filled the space with a heavenly glow. But there was no time to enjoy it. List still had to send his children to paradise. While he waited for the kids to return from school, he went to pick up mail from the post office and withdraw some money from the bank. Afterward, he got home and made himself a sandwich. He ate his lunch mere feet from where he had murdered his wife. The first of his children to come home was his 16-year-old daughter, Patty. As a budding actress, List knew she was on the path to hell. He would stop her before she got there. Shortly after Patty walked through the door, he killed her. List's younger son, Frederick, came home shortly after. He had just turned 13. It was a time full of temptation. List murdered him. After shooting Frederick, List glanced at his watch. He realized he was running late to his son John Jr.'s soccer match. He hurried out the door. He didn't want to miss his child's last game. Once the game ended, List drove his 15-year-old son home. Just like the others, he shot John Jr. But when the boy fell to the ground, his body jerked. Afraid that his son was suffering, List fired several more rounds into John Jr.'s chest. With the exception of his mother, Alma, who was too heavy to move, List placed his dead family's bodies in the ballroom. He desperately wanted to join them in the afterlife, but he knew that if he killed himself, he'd go straight to hell. Of course, he'd just murdered five innocent people, but he had done it in order to save them from themselves. Surely God would understand. Turning himself in wasn't in the cards either. He wanted to live his life to the fullest before joining his family in heaven. And besides, he figured it wouldn't be long until the authorities caught him. But that didn't mean he was going to make it easy for them. After cleaning up the crime scene, List informed his children's schools that they'd be going on vacation for the next few weeks and stopped all mail delivery. He also cut himself out of every picture in the house so the police wouldn't be able to obtain a current image. Before going to bed, he turned on all the lights and looped religious music through the house's intercom system. That night, John List slept alone while his family's corpses began to decompose in the other room. He awoke the next morning around 6 a.m. and left the house. Although he was certain the police would quickly catch up to him, his subterfuge worked better than he could have imagined. List would remain free for the next 18 years. Coming up, we discuss the police hunt for John List. And now, back to the story. On November 9, 1971, John List coldly murdered his wife, mother, and three children. 
On top of his impending financial ruin, List was worried about modern society's corrupting influences. Rather than putting his family through unnecessary pain, he thought it would be better to send them to heaven right away. After killing them one by one, he meticulously cleaned the crime scene and fled. For nearly a month, no one the family knew realized anything was wrong. But in early December, John's neighbors noticed the lights in his house going out one by one. And even though he had told his children's schools that they'd be gone on an extended vacation, Patty List's drama teacher was starting to get worried. The police finally entered the house on December 7, 1971. Along with the decomposing bodies, they found a five-page note List had written to his pastor, explaining that he had killed his family in order to save their souls. Shortly after, the FBI found List's car at New York's JFK airport, but there was no record of him getting on a plane. In fact, there was no trace of him at all. For the next 18 years, law enforcement had no idea where John List had gone. But the New Jersey authorities never gave up. And in 1989, they finally made a breakthrough. The year before, the Fox network had debuted the extremely popular America's Most Wanted program. The show featured real-life cases of fugitives who had evaded law enforcement. And by 1989, it was the most watched program in its time slot. Although nearly 20 years had gone by, the John List case was still open. With no concrete leads to follow, the Union County Police turned to the show's producers for help. America's Most Wanted already had a proven track record of helping to locate wanted criminals. Only four days after its first episode aired, a viewer tip eventually led to the arrest of murderer and rapist David James Roberts. And the producers were confident they could help catch John List as well. Although List had cut himself out of every picture in his home before he fled, the authorities managed to obtain a photo of him from shortly before he committed the murders. The show's producers hired a forensic sculptor named Frank Baker, who used the photo to extrapolate what a 64-year-old List would look like in 1989. Baker also worked in conjunction with criminal psychologist Richard Walter, who helped provide a key detail for the bust. In his note, List had admitted one of the reasons he killed his family was because of his financial struggles. Walter believed he'd want to appear more successful and suggested that Baker give the sculpture a pair of horn-rimmed glasses. Sure enough, one of the 22 million people who watched the May 21, 1989 episode of America's Most Wanted recognized List's face and his glasses. He was living in a suburb of Richmond, Virginia, under the pseudonym Robert Clark. The police quickly arrested him, and he went on trial in 1990. List's lawyers argued that he suffered from PTSD incurred during military service in World War II and the Korean War. 
However, the prosecution's psychologist determined that all List was suffering from was a midlife crisis. To support their argument, they cited the fact that since the murders, List had lived a quiet, happy life. The jury agreed and found him guilty. He was sentenced to five consecutive life terms in a New Jersey prison. He died in 2008 at the age of 82. To this day, the John List murders are among the most captivating in all of true crime. In fact, List has inspired famous fictional characters such as the usual suspect's Kaiser Soze, as well as the titular character in The Stepfather. His story remains so frightening that many children in the town of Westfield still won't walk past the property where List committed his horrific deeds. It's not surprising. He is the most terrifying kind of boogeyman, not a horrific monster who lurks under the bed, but a kind, caring father, one who could be relaxing next to you on the couch or sitting next to you in the car. And by the time he strikes, it's too late. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Joel Stein, Maggie Admire, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Alex Benedon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson